September 14th, 2020. New math. Netflix revenues greater than Disney and Warner Brothers Studios combined. We do not hate movie theaters. In fact, we actually love going to see movies in theaters. At least we did in a pre-COVID-19 world. The Cinemark cleaning video that we've linked to illustrates just how unappealing movie theaters are right now, not to mention increased scientific research citing the aerosol nature of the virus. Every subsector of TMT needs to evolve or it will ultimately face extinction from technological disruption, and movies are no different. It is one thing to offer consumers a choice of seeing movies at home or in theaters, but forcing consumers to see movies in movie theaters feels absurd in 2020, regardless of the pandemic and health considerations. As long as parents want to get away from their kids and kids want to get away from their parents, we believe there will always be demand to see movies in theaters after a successful vaccine is widely deployed. And certain films will lend themselves to the big screen experience. But even then, we believe movie going will be a less frequent activity as the quality of direct-to-consumer streaming content keeps scaling rapidly. In turn, we believe only a small fraction of U.S. theaters and screens will survive, likely those with the highest-end, premium theater-going experience, such as IMAX. The U.S. probably needs under 10,000 screens compared to over 40,000 screens today. Given this reality and the fact that we have no way of forecasting how long it will take for consumer comfort with indoor movie theaters to return, Hollywood needs to find a new way to distribute movies and fast. The pushback from virtually everyone we know connected to Hollywood is the math simply does not work any other way beyond the sequential release pattern starting with movie theaters. As we laid out in our March post and as shown in the table embedded to the right, a $2 billion box office film can generate over $800 million in profits to a studio. We agree that there is no way to replicate those individual film economics through any other method of distribution. While studios are experimenting with larger and larger films into premium video-on-demand, PVOD, no studio is willing to release their biggest, most ambitious films this way. Universal's Trolls became the highest-grossing, digitally distributed film in history, surpassing Avengers Endgame, and has exceeded $100 million of PVOD revenue, offered as a premium video-on-demand PVOD title at $20, with Universal keeping about 80%. Patrols was never expected to be a billion-dollar film at the box office, and it benefited from being released when the United States was in full lockdown with families starved for content to entertain kids. Universal gained invaluable insights from Trolls' PVOD release, in addition to generating ancillary revenues from Trolls in the EST and VOD windows and an SVOD sale to Hulu. Universal was also able to leverage this PVOD data to strike their historic 70-day window agreement with AMC Theaters versus the prior 75-day minimum window. Disney's Milan released last weekend at a $30 premium access to unlock access to the title three months early on Disney+. Disney has not yet released revenues. However, after hitting number one in Disney Plus trending opening weekend, the film then dropped to number 11 behind movies such as Moana, Frozen 2, Cinderella, and Frozen, 
and only rebounded to the number five position during its second weekend of release. We suspect Mulan is headed for under three and a half million units in the U.S. or sub a hundred million of revenue to Disney, likely below Trolls, despite benefiting from a higher price point. While it is possible that Mulan, Mulan could surge higher between now and its December 4th release to all Disney Plus subscribers, we do not sense the word of mouth needed to propel a high level of incremental PVOD purchases. That said, we suspect Disney realized Mulan was unlikely to be a billion-dollar blockbuster, and it needed a major film to quote-unquote learn from at a time when theaters were unable to push back against Disney's experiment. Disney's already stated that this is a one-off and does not signal a fundamental change in their strategy. The Movie Studio Conundrum As Pivot experiments grow, we are also seeing that going back to theatrical releases is not really possible, as long as COVID persists. Warner Brothers' tenant clearly failed to generate the box office needed, only $6.7 million of domestic box office in its second weekend, with no competition. With Warner Brothers already moving its next tentpole film, Wonder Woman 1984, later in the year, we suspect Disney will delay Black Widow into 2021, as the Marvel team is not a fan of PVOD or the premium access model. The rest of major Hollywood studios have all pretty much said they will not light negatives on fire, meaning all major films are going to clear out of 2020, even if they remain dated for later this year. They just haven't been moved officially. Studio executives are faced with consumer fear over returning to movie theaters and a PVOD model that simply does not work well enough to replicate the profitability they expect from tentpole films. And therein lies the conundrum facing movie studios in 2020. You can keep delaying films, but there's no visibility on when or if moviegoing ever returns to historic norms, particularly as consumer interest in moviegoing was starting to wane pre-pandemic. There is an answer, however. It is just extremely unnatural for studio executives that have always done things effectively one way. Studios need to pivot to SVOD and abandon the decades-old sequential release windows for films. We can literally hear the gasps coming from every studio executive listening to this, let alone the movie exhibition executives that listen to our content as well. While you cannot generate the per-picture profitability in SVOD that you did with a sequential release pattern, starting with theatrical, Studios simply need to learn new math, where they can make more money across their entire slate of content than ever before. New SVOD math, Netflix versus Disney plus Warner Brothers combined. To understand the sheer power of this new math we are advocating for, what we call SVOD math, let's look at Netflix's revenues in 2019 and 2020 and compare it to calendar 2019 for Disney and Warner Brothers Studio operations combined. We're using calendar 2019 for Disney and Warner Brothers as it removes the extreme pressure put on both companies from the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and the continued impact we expect into 2021. It's also worth noting that 2019 was peak revenues for Disney studio operations, so we are being quote-unquote kind in this analysis in favor of the legacy studios. As you can see in the table that we've embedded above, Netflix generated more revenue in 2019 
than the combined Disney and Warner Brothers film studios. $20 billion versus $19 billion. With Disney and Warner representing more than half of the entire North American box office in 2019. 52% combined, to be specific. If we then include TV production in addition to movie production, Disney and Warner Brothers generated over $30 billion of revenues in 2019, well ahead of Netflix's $20 billion in 2019. But as you can see from Netflix's growth in 2020, it appears quite obvious that Netflix should surpass combined Disney and Warner Brothers film TV revenues in 2021. Note, if we compare Netflix to just Disney or Warner Brothers film and TV individually in terms of 2019 revenues, Netflix is actually larger than each of them already. So just stop and think about that fact that Netflix's revenues are greater than Disney's combined film and TV revenues. And you realize just how powerful SVOD economics are. EBIT is a bit harder to analyze as Disney includes TV production in media networks, but does not carve out TV's specific EBIT contribution, while Warner not only includes TV with film, but also adds in games. If we add the two studios' EBITs from Warner and Disney together, we end up with $5.7 billion. It's actually probably north of $6.5 billion if we remove games from Warner Brothers and added in Disney's TV studio profits in 2019. But let's just keep it simple and say around $6 billion of EBIT. Netflix will be approaching that level of EBIT in 2021, and it's not stopping there. By 2022, Netflix will be far larger than the combined EBIT of Disney and Warner Brothers film and TV divisions combined. Remarkable. The power of SVOD math. The beauty of the SVOD model for film and TV production is that each individual piece of content becomes less important with the goal to build a diversified slate of content that is something for everyone. Traditional studios are not wrong when they say they can do both, meaning have a theatrical home entertainment and SVOD business. However, movies that have been in theaters and then on home video have a far lesser impact on SVOD in terms of new ads, viewership, and in term churn reduction. As we wrote about last month, Hamilton, which launched on Disney+, Plus, had a dramatically greater impact than either Frozen 2 or Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which were first in theaters and then on home entertainment before hitting Disney+. Plus. The reality, This reality is also why Netflix has moved away from licensing pay-one movies from major studios and has shifted to create their own movies that have no windows or, at worst, a several-week-long window. Not only does SVOD math work on the revenue side, it should be dramatically more profitable at scale than legacy studio economics. Remember, every time Disney launches a new movie, they have to go market aggressively around the world to get consumers to go to theaters, then market it again to drive home entertainment sales, before yet again marketing it in the SVOD window. To make matters worse, in the theatrical and home entertainment windows, Disney and other studios have no idea who they're marketing a given film to. They're simply spraying and praying across mass media channels like television, radio, etc. While SVOD platforms such as Netflix and even Disney Plus certainly promote their content far beyond existing members, they have an easy way of driving awareness from their existing subscribers, especially those that they know will have interest in a given title based on past behavior. Recommending and promoting content you know a consumer will like, 
adds to subscriber happiness, drives down churn, and creates pricing power. The Netflix virtuous circles that we've embedded above right from 2012 are just as relevant in 2020. Buying into SVOD goes beyond a shift in your economic model for monetizing content. Studios and their parent companies still need to invest aggressively in technology and view technology as just as important as the content itself. Disney has made the biggest investment to date by buying BAMTech and transforming it into Disney streaming services. But even they could be investing far more in technology and iterating their offerings far faster. Disney Plus has not really iterated since launch. The other media companies are even further behind in technology investment to support SVOD, let alone struggling to be distributed widely across all devices. Netflix's success goes far beyond its content. The experience on every device is a critical piece of subscriber happiness that makes them want to keep coming back. Traditional studios never distributed their own content. They always went through intermediaries, so the actual consumer's experience was not their primary concern. While studios who pivot to SVOD are unlikely to ever, quote, catch up with Netflix technologically, given how far of a head start Netflix has in building a scaled technology platform, it is definitely not too late to start investing aggressively in technology. If studios want to harness the power of SVOD, the only answer is to go all in and not look back. It's just math. The problem, however, with implementing this radical strategy is not the math or the economics itself. It's the executives themselves who do not want to believe in the power of SVOD, nor can they comprehend blowing up everything they know and love about the movie business. Investing aggressively in technology to scale SVOD is also not exactly their forte, and it goes beyond just the executives in charge. As producers and directors such as Christopher Nolan simply cannot comprehend a world where movies are not always seen first in theaters. Perhaps producer-director Ron Howard said it best at the recent Procter & Gamble Signal Conference. Howard said, Audiences tell us where and how they want to watch the content we create. You should note that Howard is releasing his first direct-to-SVOD feature film in November 2020 called Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix. With Disney Plus and HBO Max, Disney and Warner have the infrastructure and scale to make the SVOD transition. Others like Paramount and Universal have building blocks and potentially could But for studios that do not have an SVOD platform or who are unwilling to build one at scale, they will likely need to expand their focus on supplying movies directly to third-party SVOD platforms in lieu of the sequential release pattern, similar to what we have seen several studios, such as Sony and Lionsgate do, throughout the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic.